You know, it's kind of funny today. We want to talk about the literature review. And I think one of the first things I learned was that qualitative researchers weren't supposed to do literature reviews. Did you ever hear that? Yeah. Yeah, we heard that. Well, when we were studying grounded theory, for sure. Yeah, and I, I can't remember who it was. It was Jan Morris or or maybe they, they referred to uh, Carolyn Ellis or someone like that, that uh, they said that about ask, it was one of those things like talk to the editor kind of things. And it's about doing a literature review. And she said, well, there's a difference between being open-minded and empty-headed. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I had heard that. Mm-hmm. And then she said, well, you have to have an understanding of what's known and then you kind of put that aside and learn from your participants. And so, uh, but you still see, I don't see that as much anymore. I, I, I don't think we, we very rarely do we get papers where there's not a literature review. Sometimes it's called an introduction. Sometimes there's an introduction and a literature review, but it's very rare for us to get a paper now where there's not some sort of, of a sharing of what the person has read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would say that um, sometimes you're right. There's a mix of the introduction and the literature review. So could could we also talk about the introduction? Because I have some ideas about the introduction. Yeah, because we've gone back and forth with that, you know, from a strict American Psychological Association style. Uh, there's not supposed to be an introduction and a literature review. Well, I've kind of softened on that. I, I do like being introduced to the phenomena in question. And then seeing that maybe there is then research mm-hmm. on this phenomenon in question. And, and, and I, I, you know, sometimes we will get the people have learned, I think, from a more quantitative experimental design. And it's sort of like they're going over a bunch of theory that they're going to then test on hypothesis. And I never think that kind of that, that paper has overall structural issues. But yeah, why don't you talk about that? We've gone back and forth about what should the intro be and, and, mm-hmm. then, the, the, and then how that gets into the method. Well, my preference for reading, as well as for writing, is to start with an introduction. And it's an introduction into the the research content and what's what's found to be problematic or necessary or important to research. So I like being introduced to that. And I like being introduced to the necessity for it, because that helps me feel more involved as a as a reader. And I, I really like it to be invitational. So it could be creative. Um, kind of like, you know, really good writers invite their readers into what they're talking about or going to talk about. And so, um, and, and part of the invitation is, and, and help me help me establish a good purpose for reading this, what, what I as a reader can benefit from and learn and utilize right from the get-go. Otherwise, um, if I run right into the literature, um, I may not have a background in some of that information, especially if lots of um, initials and shorthand is used. And so I feel lost. I feel uninvited. And I often say that in my very first comment. I don't I don't feel invited into this research project or the report of it. And I would like to feel more. And, and I think I think that's something special with with the qualitative report, since we're kind of transdisciplinary is that, and maybe that's a good thing because we don't necessarily know uh, the topic in question, or we don't know what the author means by uh, that topic. And we we get lots of folks that maybe English hasn't been their first language, or uh, maybe this is the first time they're writing in a more technical sense than that. So I agree. It's it's like, okay, what do you mean by this? And then it always helps to have 
a, a citation that we could then uh, read more. I mean, I you know, with some of our reviewers are really having site, site, site. I get that, but that get, allows me an opportunity to understand, like you say, the context. Okay, so you've read this, and this is how you've taken this thing to mean by, uh, you know, uh, distressed uh, nurses. Okay, what did you mean by distressed? Share some some literature so that we can kind of read a bit more. It's so much easier now to kind of click on the reference, go find it, read it up in that. So I think that's a special challenge that we have that we don't necessarily know the content area that well, but it helps us to kind of get up to speed right away in terms of what they're talking about. Plus with the content text and a good solid introduction, um, you know, um, I feel like I can participate then in the reviewing as well. And I have a better sense of what this person is, um, what the authors are trying to put forward, because I want to, I want to um, support that, and I want to reinforce that. So, but with without an introduction, it's kind of cold, hit or miss. At least that's my feeling as as a reader. I always like the. I think Ron, you said once upon a time that uh, the literature review could be organized as a short story, you know, with a beginning, a middle, and an end. So when when a, when a literature review kind of has all those components, you know, that it's kind of holds together, then I think I can track it. But if it just goes straight into kind of like a, you know, a list a listing of citations and bunch of knowledge, I, I don't have the grounding to really understand why I'm reading about all these things about nurses or teachers or whatever. But if it's composed like a a short story like there's an intro so there's an it. introduction you kind of feel like i now i know why this is in here i have a sense rather than sometimes they look like an annotated bibliography where it's just kind of a listing of a bunch of stuff and i, I really need the grounding whether it's through an introduction section or if the literature review is is understood as kind of a uh, a short story in and of itself with a beginning a middle and an end then then I can you you can take me along. I, I kind of know why I'm reading this. Otherwise, I, I can get lost. Yeah. So I think that I think what we're trying to say about some form of an introduction is uh, yes, we're being introduced. Maybe it's um, we're we're being asked handhold, and and we're journeying with. So otherwise, we get left in the dust. And I want to journey with right. the authors. Yeah, I, I definitely look for that thread where. I mean, I, I usually see that the the title sets forth the major elements of the study, you know, the population, some aspect of that population, and then maybe the method or, you know, it just gets narrowed down that way. And then I kind of look for that as you're going through. And with the, with the yeah, I definitely like the idea that, um, you know, it can be from more general to more specific, like it could be about, uh, you know, um, nurses, nurses stress, nurses in a particular NICU stress, and then down to what, so what's now then known and not known about the phenomenon. So eventually there's some sort of shift there from helping us to understand their terms and understanding how they're using these terms or how these terms are used in their literature, and then down to because of the discovery exploratory nature that's typical and qualitative is, okay, we know this, and we don't know that, so therefore, uh, and then that kind of wraps it up. And then 
uh, they can like the so what question. So why is that important? Because the the story of these nurses seems to be incomplete because they don't have the nurse's experience in this particular set of circumstances. So I, I kind of like that piece. And the other is, you know, I get really snarky where it's like, it's called a literature review and not a literature view. And that's something that we I know we, we comment on where, you know, back a hundred years ago, you have these little things called index cards. You used to read an article and you'd write down the notes. And I feel like I'm reading someone's little Rolodex, but it sounds like old stuff, right? I read this article. And I read this article. Well, that's right. That's a lot of information. But what do you now know? Mm -hmm. And it's uh, I also when I, when I see it, when I see a literature review like that, like here's what one article said, here's what one article said, with very little analysis, I can pretty much be assured when you get to the results section, the results are going to look the same. Somebody said something, somebody said something, and there's no analysis. There's no analysis, and and God forbid, there's no synthesis as to bringing these ideas together. So these little warning signs go off for me. One paragraph with one reference. Next paragraph, different reference. No connecting. And that's what I think you're saying, Dan, about that story style. There's no transitions. There's no contrasting. There's no kind of helping us start to understand the author's understanding. And that's what I looked in the literature and I can you know, pretty much guarantee it. It's like we always say, when we, when we don't see the qualitative research methodology in the keywords, Obviously, it wasn't that important to him. <laughs> and it's not going to be very clear going on with that. But I, I also say I, I think that the literature review is a challenge. I think sometimes what makes the literature review challenging is the way our authors have been taught. I think that, for instance, in some in some doctoral programs, the dissertation is is somehow confused with a comprehensive exam. I've read I've read all this literature and I've come back and look how smart I am. Oh dear, you know, I don't want to see a 50, 900 page review of the literature because it's really, it's demonstrating competencies that they could read and they could regurgitate or just present it back versus I think what you're saying, it's much more strategic of what you're trying to accomplish and what's the purpose and qualitative, which I think is like you said, what is known, what's not known, and why is it important to, to conduct this inquiry? And here's my inquiry inquiry within this mm -hmm. context I set up. So I think what we're saying, I think all three of us agree that what's important about a literature review is that it's a result of some kind of analytical process of what's been read. It's, it's not just a listing. And so um, I, I really appreciate creative um, literature reviews. You know, we've read some like they've been written as conversations, but at the very least that they're thematic in some way so that things are connected under this um, theme of whether it's it's been this kind of research, only phenomenological, for example. You know, I mean, that tells me a lot about also the, the um, kind of the placement, the location, and the need for this research. If you know, the authors can say there's only been phenomenological studies, but here we're going to do something that's different. Of course, we never know what they mean by phenomenological. That's what's one of our bugaboo words like, oh, what does that mean by that's you? That's well, here's, <laughs> here's a question for you, um, both of you. Um, in a literature review, they, they cover usually the topic of the or the content or the issue uh, uh, that's the focus of the research. There's what we know, what we don't know, what we yeah. want to know. Um, if someone is going to be pushing 
um, the limits in their study by using a methodology that's been lightly used before, you know, some kind of uh, uh, autoethnographic or duo autoethnographic or some kind of innovative methodology. Do you think that in the literature review, there should be some discussion of, you know, what we know about certain methods and how they're used and why this one that's being used in this study should be, you know, noteworthy? Or do you think that should be only in the methodology section? Is there a place in the literature review section to review what we know and what we've used in terms of methodologies in studying this topic? You mean for each of the articles that are being no, no, part I mean, of the for review. the study. I mean, like oh, if someone so the literature review is we th I think we talk about it in terms of the content. What do we know in the field about this topic mm -hmm. about self-efficacy of nurses or something? But is the literature review also to be looking at what we know about the methodologies that could be used? So is there room to talk about the innovative uh, and methodologies that reach to new places, or is that only for the methodology section? You understand? Well, of, the project. of the current project. Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, um, I think there should be literature in the methods section. And we pretty, pretty much ask the author to say, okay, tell us qualitative research. So what do you mean by qualitative research? What type of qualitative research? I'm thinking a little bit Cresswell-esque, like, qualitative research, ethnography, autoethnography, and then evocative. So work your way down, and in each instance, uh, cite. Now, just because you've cited some source, we still want to know how you did it procedurally in your work. So I think literature should appear in the methods section. I know that's odd for some people to do, but then we know what they're talking about. Like we, we said about phenomenology, do you just mean phenomenological, meaning that it's your understanding of the construction of knowledge, it's more interpretive, or are you doing a particular type of phenomenology like von Manen or IPA, interpretative phenomenological analysis with that? So I, I like what you had your question in because we get some papers. The old, the old, it seems the only justification is I wanted to do an autoethnography. Okay, that's nice, but this is there's there's there has to be some rationale uh, for it. So I guess I'm uh, Sally Thorne. That's the name. I'll, I'll look up yeah. the reference for it as we go along. But uh, it's a book by that she did with Sage. I know she's one of the authors, and it's about uh, uh, her newest one. No, she she is. It's a, she's a nursing researcher, and um, there's also a romance author by name Sally Thorne, by the way. And uh, she wrote a book. Uh, let's see. Uh, now, of course, I have to say I'm from the United States. So in her book, uh, I'll get the reference in a second, but in her book, what she breaks down is that there's different types of reviews of literature. Now, she's coming to it from uh, more systematic reviews of literature. So the notion being that um, you have the, uh, yeah, her book is called Meta Study of Qualitative Health Research. Okay. Uh, Barbara Patterson is the first author. Sally Thorne is the second. Connie Canham and Carol Gillings. It was published 2,100 years ago. But uh, so they're talking about what most people call would be a narrative review of the literature. They're just telling a story. It's like, this is what I've read. Let me show you what I've read. Then there's the systematic reviews of the literature, which are like a whole other study. 
here's the databases I searched, uh, here's my search terms. And so sometimes that's the research article. So in hers, in her meta study, she says, okay, there's a, you could do a meta theory and you could say what theory has been used to study this phenomenon. Like it's all social construction or all positivistic or say it's another, you know, so strong structure, functional or uh, critical theory, stuff like that. You can do a meta content like we've been talking about, mm-hmm. but you can also do a meta method a review. Mm-hmm. And I think I think if the authors did that meta method and saying, or do it in combination, we know what we know about these nurses by virtue of uh, the researcher being the expert. They've used different instruments. They've constructed surveys. They had a sense of a priori what was known, and then they tested that uh, hypothetically with their population. And if that's all that we know about these nurses' experience, then it seems to make sense that might we do a study, or would it be useful to do a study that's more exploratory, rather than assuming what we know and try to confirm it through that kind of structured uh, survey? I, I like that better because the other ones are sort of like uh, it's like a let's do it because I've. I know I know grounded theory and let's go for it. Well, why was grounded theory appropriate? There's so many choices. So I, I like it that way where there's that sort of of, of uh, given thought to that because what happens, we get lots of papers and we call them in between papers. It's about, about doing the study and it's the study that they did. And it's two papers in one. So I, I've kind of over the years have, have gone more towards the uh, what's known, how is it's known, and how could this particular qualitative uh, approach add to that body of knowledge, or maybe uh, maybe criticize that body of knowledge, call into question certain things, rather than just saying, "Well, I got like three tools in my toolbox, so guess what? I'm going to use one of them now." I, I like a stronger rationale than that. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would agree that to answer your question, Dan, not every paper has to have what you were suggesting, but when there is that, or it's not. There, maybe there needs to be rationale. So I, I prefer a rationale for what the author's putting forward and then why they're putting it forward. Again, yeah. so that we're contextualizing and we're journeying with this author and not going off on our own tangents. Mm-hmm. Going off on my own tangent makes it difficult for me to review in a way that helps strengthen the article mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and the report. Which yeah, is we, could, we could follow them better that way because yeah. we all we always ask to somewhere between the literature and the results, whether it's pre-method or in the method. We ask the author then to get personal with us yeah. and to share about their personal experience, which, you know, their professional identity could tell us a lot about what they included and excluded in their literature review just because of a professional bias as to, um, you know, let's say it's all. Uh, psychosocial and well, well where's the spiritual stuff coming from okay they that's part of their orientation as well you may not get that in other studies so that just helps us because it all comes down to me we always say the researcher is the instrument and we see examples of their instrumentation here's how they read and understood the literature here's how they reflected and understood themselves here's how they understood uh, their construction of their method here's how they understood their results so i kind of like that uh, making that overt in terms of their thinking process, sort of thinking out loud, which is difficult because, you know, that tacit knowledge, I always know more than what you say. And so I think if you look at our TQR comments, we say, please clarify, please explain this more. I'm not quite sure what you mean here. Could you add a citation? 
So I think that's what we're asking for in our reviews with our authors is that we're curious. You got us curious. Could you give us a little bit more to help inform us as we're reading through this? And, and uh, to me, it improves the read of the article. So if the if the authors, for example, say, I'm, I use grounded theory, I think that would be a great um, lead in to have a section, whether it's in the literature review or the methodology, to say, why did you choose to use Charmaz as a grounded theory point of view? You could have used Glazer. You could have used Corbin and Strauss. You could have used Adele Clark. You could have used you know, others. And so explain to the reader why this one was your, your uh, method of choice. And it, it kind of demonstrates, it's kind of a transparency thing too. It shows that the author knows the range of possibilities they could have chosen from. And they chose it for X and Y reasons. I think it just adds credibility and trustworthiness to the study to know that this author really spent some time trying to pick the kind of methodology to address the kind of question that they're most interested so in. So you're okay if that's located in the lit review. It could be. I mean, because it makes sense yeah. or, or in the methodology. I think it goes back to a sense of coherence. So the title, I see that as a promise. The introduction is this introduction to this uh, kind of um, invitation to readers. And then throughout the literature review, that coherence needs to continue. So if I can't, I guess this would be another thing is it makes it more difficult if I can't see the thread that's being developed right from the title all the way through. It may include methodology or that may come later. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the coherence and what one one quality of that is the I think the transparency that you're talking about. You make it overt. Uh, this is where I'm coming from. Well, let me ask you a technical question because I think this kind of divides some of our reviewers. What are your thoughts are in terms of including quotes from the literature in the literature review? Because you know, in some dissertations, it's you know, it, it throws off all the plagiarism software because there's these massive quotes. Because again, kind of, I think it's more of that a comprehensive exam. I've mm -hmm. read this stuff, and here's my reading of this and that. So we have some reviewers that don't like. The, uh, the big kind of, you know, in, you know, uh, uh, indent five spaces, more than 25 words on that. Uh, they like more of just referring to literature or smaller chunks. What are your thoughts on that? I think I think uh, I would want the authors to be very judicious in the use of quotes for, from the literature. Um, and also when they get to the analysis, when they pick quotes to kind of represent themes that they want to display. I think they really need to be very uh, judicious and focused and make sure that this is adding to the narrative of what they're doing. Just to put in a big chunk of something that could be paraphrased uh, with no loss to the reader, I think I would go with just summarize it. But if there's something really catchy or really significant that needs to be said. Like definitional, a clear, clear definition yes. of, yeah. Something that's really uh, nailing something in some kind of a way, then I think a quote is okay. But if it's just to kind of pile in, you know, some references from, from other authors, just to kind of build up, you know, the bulk of the paper, then I, I think it's misusing yeah. it. So I would opt for being very sparing in use of quotes 
but I wouldn't be opposed to it if, if the author felt this was really important to let this uh, come out. I agree. It needs to be judicious and purposeful. I, I also I also I get nervous when I look at the paper, let's say, you know, it's double spaced, 30 plus pages. And I'm like like 15 pages in and I'm still in the literature review. Yeah, I really kind of think like we, we, we're getting a dissertation that's been tried to call down and it's not as judicious. It's not as strategic. There's not a clear narrative. There's lots of tangents, you know, and things like that. So I get a little nervous when it gets long. Uh, it doesn't mean we, we don't ask for more information, but it's sort of like that they're just kind of, there's no, the notion of report and command. So what did I just, why did I just read this section? I always feel there should be a, so what, a, so therefore, that it's kind of let me understand, okay, there's three major things in this area. Okay. Tell me what the three major things are. They kind of tell me what you're going to tell me and why I need to know this that's pertinent uh, to understand your study not just for my general edification or that too, wow, you're well-read. And I think that's the challenge to make that part. I think the words you've all been using is judicious. Yeah. I wonder if, this is just a guess on my part and there's probably other explanations for it, but um, even though qualitative, in qualitative research and we've all studied this and, and people learn, you know, the voice of the researcher can come through. <laughs> I think there's a hesitancy to have the researcher's voice too much in there or in there too much. And then um, people hold back on that. And I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's a fear of being criticized. I don't know if it's a fear of uh, tainting the information. Well, yeah, so, it's almost like when they, they refer to, well, the, uh, the author, the re or, or who you, is it you? It's okay. Uh, I I saw that you know you can use you can use I. I have no problem with using the word I in there, but it almost sounds like they want to say overly scholarly, you know, as the author of this paper. That's Even you? my own PhD students have done that, and and you know, and the, it was quite a bit of a kind of attitude change or belief change that they should speak for themselves. So if they're putting together literature. You're telling me how you're putting it together. It's not yeah. an objective. Just we like first person. Oh. We like the actor being the subject. We like those right. things, especially in the literature review. If they say the researcher, well, you just reviewed 25 researchers. Who are you talking about? So <laughs> I, I like simpler, the better. But I you know one area, though, that we're kind of sensitive about literature in the paper is the results. And that's something that I don't know if that's a particular thing with us. And for those who've not gone through one of our reviews, we like in the results, we like the, the what's presented in the results is the result of the data analysis of the interviews or the observations or the data. We get confused when the literature starts being woven in and other research results are put together. And that's somewhere we don't like the literature. And again, maybe unless it's defining a term, like say they talked about stigma and you're using Goffman's definition of stigma to help us understand the quality. Okay. But I get I get a little bit confused when the discussion starts sneaking into the results and the literature gets woven in there. Then I don't know, are these results from the literature or from your own analysis? I know that's actually, something you're all sensitive to as well. Actually, Ron, my own sensitivity is about fairness to the participants. That their voices are being covered and somewhat silenced, or or that's what we're going to justify it because someone else talked about it. Before. Yeah, 
So again, I think that does go back to that. What is the researcher's voice in, in our in the projects that they're reporting on, and how much voice do they have? Because I think I just think that there's in general, kind of from the science um, kind of paradigm that that voice should be minimized. And I think that that's, I, I think that that's part of it, you know, that discourse, but I could be wrong. And that's kind of difficult with, I'm thinking about authors, sometimes they hide, you know, they, maybe it's a, a, a hangover from the scientific method, you know, where they- Putting on airs. <laughs> yeah, they try to pretend like they're not there, you know, the study did this. No, the study didn't do it. You did it. So my paper reported my my magic yes. was it artificial intelligence? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. So there's that there's that one side where they they try to disappear. They try not to kind of be present, you know. And I they do that on purpose. The language, uh, the structure makes them kind of not be a factor or tries not to be a factor. And then there's the other side where they become so central, where they become kind of the the queen of the ball, the, that everything revolves around their interpretations and their understandings. And so it's this kind of tight walk between being visible enough so we know you're there, but not hijacking everything. And this is all about you or to kind of demonstrate how smart or correct you are. So I think it's a bit of a, I've seen papers go both directions, you know, where they become way too visible or way to um, to omniscient and omnipotent, yeah, and they so speak we were... they speak transcendent, and like maybe you want to cite that you're speaking as if that's the general knowledge of the world. Mm -hmm. So we're I, I think we work really hard to help strike authors strike a balance in that presentation, um, and also I I think it's well again I feel more invited I feel more included when I read things that are written in that more balanced way. So. And I think that we also look for that balance in the discussion section, because we don't want a repetition of what we just read in the previous 15 pages right. of the results. We're not that old and feeble that we forget things that quickly, or you know what, we can go back and review, we can read it again. So when we get into the discussion, we definitely like to see the literature reappear there and to see kind of a, a juxtaposition. It could be a crosswalk. It could be organized by you know, what was, you know, earlier we said, you could even revisit your research questions. You know, the literature suggested that there was a lack of voice or a lack of awareness here. And in this study, uh, you know, three themes were generated and these themes seem to be uh, connecting with themes that have been identified from other authors. So uh, check, 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 check. Yeah. Uh, we found it, they found it. Uh, then you could present stuff that we discovered that had not been before. You know, we wrote that paper a while ago looking at common factors in marriage and family therapy, what, when couples and families talk about uh, their experience. And we found pretty much what was supported by the common factors literature. We didn't go through to test it, but we reviewed it. We talked about it in the literature and we got back to it in the discussion section. And then we found one little one little quality that came through in our st the studies that we had reviewed, where it was not just... Uh, saying that they, you know, that they were going to work together, but seeing evidence that the other person was working on it, and we had our little piece to it, and that was it. But that was definitely that we, again, we 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 wanted to be open-minded. We we looked at the literature. We didn't go in with a checklist to try to check off all the common factors. But as we found 
what we thought were the experiences, then we then would refer back to the literature and we were able then to really, I think, manage it by having the quotes from the, the research articles in the results and then the reflection of the previous research on common factors, because that was probably the best way of describing what we learned uh, from the cases that we did. But it was also, I think, to me, just a way of managing it. The idea of managing the you know what we learned from, I think we had like 50 articles, 60 articles, and to be able then to manage that plus get into all the other stuff. So I just think it makes it a bit simpler uh, because Lord knows it's it's hard to write a good qualitative report. So that, that, that was all the preparation I did. <laughs> all right. Um, I just wanted to say that, um, um, you know, we said, oh, today we're going to just talk about the introduction and the literature review. And yet we went kind of all over the map. We went into the other sections of a usual paper. And I think that, that what that does is doesn't, I don't think it says we're disorganized. I think what it says is everything is related across the entire report. It's back to that sense of coherence, that thread that pulls things together to have it make sense as a whole. And that um, the main points and the main um, justifications and the main purposes are uh, are, are given to readers and, re and readers are reminded of those all the way throughout a paper without excessive repetition. So that's kind of my take on our talk today. I think so. There's a thread that goes all the way through. And then here's the final piece. <laughs> Please include everything that you cited in your literature in your reference section and oh, make yeah. sure everything in the reference section was cited in the body of the paper because that's the final little bow on it is that uh, as you edit and change, update your reference section so that it's one coherent document from your very first citation in the body of the paper to the last reference in your reference section. And so I know people get taught this in pieces, but what we're focused on is when you submit the report of your qualitative research, we're looking for a coherent thread of the literature from the very beginning, the promise that you said, Sally, in the, in the, in the uh, title, all the way through the final documentation. And again, if you're using tables and figures and charts and appendices, those references count too from the literature and put them in your reference section. Because if you can do that before you submit your paper, you're probably gonna have a lot more success getting your papers accepted and getting them accepted quicker if you can kind of build those coherent, transparent structure uh, from the literature through your entire study and your report. Yeah, so everything's not included people, you know, authors need to be judicious to make the points that they most need to make so that uh, those of us who are going to utilize uh, the information that we've been reading uh, can do it in, in a confident way and also tailor it to our own uh, context. So anyways, that's our goal is to make these reports very useful, helpful, sensible, invitational. And hopefully interesting to read. Yes, and of course, interesting to read. I always find the ones that are not in my own discipline very, very interesting. And if you do that very well, then someone in another paper will add your paper to their review of the literature.